Hey, welcome to a Bald Movies podcast. This is commissioned by Jim and I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because why not? It's the the today if if unless we screwed up and WordPress published this early, you're listening to it on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Day, December 25th, 1990, The Godfather 3 came out 16 years after The Godfather 2 was released. Wow. Too much fun fair fu- too much fun fair and fanfare, and to a lot of people being disappointed as hell. <laughs> uh, and when we saw this lined up at the 25th, the silver anniversary of The Godfather, Jim and I had to record it. And the other intriguing hook to this podcast is we've actually never seen The Godfather Part 3. In fact... I had no idea what The Godfather 3 was about. Right? I've, the only thing I knew of it was that one line where Al Pacino's like, well, I thought I was out. They, they pulled me back right in. in. Yeah. Now, I thought it was rem- – so I'm a huge Godfather fan. I probably seen that film 30-plus mm-hmm. times, maybe 50 times. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Godfather 2. I've always liked, preferred Godfather 1. I'm starting to change my opinion on that. I've seen Godfather 2 a dozen times. Uh-huh. I've never seen Godfather 3 – and I, that's kind of surprising even to me. But I'm also found it remarkably easy to stay spoiler free. I've read so many articles about The Godfather mm-hmm. and the, the making of The Godfather and Godfather Two. I found so I've read books on the subject. I've read the book themselves. I've listened to Coppola's uh, commentaries, and I've stayed spoiler free. That's I don't know how I did that. I have no idea. I think it's part of it is. Part of it is because it seems like this was never intended to be made, and Coppola probably doesn't like to talk about it because of a lot of the details we're about to get into. Um, and, and everybody else hates it. Everyone's opinion, universal opinion, is this movie is is a movie that sucks. And yep. I am here to say that I am totally surprised that I enjoyed The Godfather 3. I, I was did not pleasantly think pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, w- I went in expecting that this is just going to be an absolute shit show. Do you think the expectations fucked this movie? Because think about how Star Wars, the prequels, came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm not saying that we're, you know, 20 years from now, people are going to look back and be like, oh, the prequels are way better than you gave them credit for. Although I imagine that will be somewhat the case. But people, you know, Godfather 1 and 2 are some of the best American pieces of cinema ever made. Yeah. It takes a 16-year break. Coppola comes back with... The, Almost all the original cast, of course, people are going to be hyped, right? You would think so. And when yeah. it's, I, I mean, I don't understand why this movie got as much hate as it did. Like, let's break it down. Um, a lot of people say the plot is confusing, and it, it is. is. It is. Yeah. But I also didn't feel like, even on first watch, that I had real trouble following it. I, I mean, I had trouble following the details. Like every once in a while, I'd have to stop and take take. Uh... Note, okay, what is actually going on here? Um, which I had to do that in the first two. Yeah, Honestly, the first two straight. are no more or less complicated than this film, and I love those. I think this is more complicated, but and it's also like I think everyone kind of knows how mafia stuff works, but the intricacies of the Vatican yeah. intrigue are mm-hmm. a little bit that's new. And you've got it all mixed up, right? You've got the gangsters, sure. you've got the Vatican, you've got the businessmen, the bankers. Yeah. But I thought that was thrilling. Like, the Vatican aspect, I thought was super, super interesting. I did, too. Yeah. Especially with, you know, the theme of the movie, which is him trying to find some kind of forgiveness. I think Roman Catholics are my new, hands-down, official favorite branch of Christianity. Okay. Like, when you're speaking Klingon and you got swords 
and you know fancy uniforms and your mm-hmm. i you win you win and when you can build things like the vatican yeah i mean the, the buildings in this are just amazing oh yeah like some of these sets that where they're set inside i don't know if it's the sistine chapel or some adjacent thing but like mm-hmm. you get these centuries old buildings and this this really weird sovereign little city that's ran by this powerful religious institution <laughs> it uh-huh. can't help but be cool yeah. So I, that's I didn't I I thought that you're you're exactly right. Like it was a couple times before I understood everything going on in Godfather Two. Yeah. I will watch this movie a lot more, and I feel like that I will start to appreciate it a lot more. Second charge leveled. Sofia Coppola is terrible. She's not terrible though. She she's not great, but she's not no. terrible. She's not like. Marlon Brando was in the first one, but no, few people are. And and uh, I. And it'd be one thing, I guess, if people were like, oh, I can't believe Coppola put his daughter in there. But his first choice, I think, was uh, Julia Roberts, who somehow hmm. backed out of it. And then he had Winona Ryder on that deck to play Mary. Okay. And then she pulled out, like, with weeks to go because she was gravely ill or something. I don't, that's, that's weird. Hmm. So it's like, I, maybe it's a bad nepotism decision if you just do that, like you you build this role around there. But if you throw your age appropriate daughter in there at the last minute, uh, I thought she did better than again what I was expecting. I was expecting for my me to be cover my eyes bad yeah. while I was watching her, and I thought she was serviceable to good. Yeah, she. So I look back on like The Godfather One and The Godfather Two, and I can't think think of a single actor or actress who didn't just knock it out of the park mm-hmm. on like every level. Sure. So when I put her performance up against those people, I think maybe it falls down a little bit, a little, but just a little, not it's, it's like a way complete to be like, train wreck. Oh, I mean, it's look, it's a fair statement to say Godfather three by a pretty, pretty easy margin is the least of the Godfather movies. Yeah. Yeah. But to say it, it besmirches the reputation of the previous two. Like it's a, a Star Wars prequel era kind of just completely destroys what you loved about the originals. I don't buy it, man. No, no, I don't either. Uh, there are a few things that I definitely don't like about it. Speaking of actors, like this Joe Montana guy playing Joey Zasa. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't like him. Really? Like I, he works okay in roles that aren't quite as serious. I just don't take him seriously. I, I don't know if it's his Ray Romano face or his Ray Romano voice, but, but uh, something was, about him I don't take him seriously as like a bad He wasn't the main guy. bad. Like, I mean, do you th- I know. did you think uh, Tataglia was like some fucking awesome guy I in the first movie? I don't remember who that is. <laughs> he's the one that the Godfather hugs, and uh, he's the pimp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought some of those, he's at least as good, if not better, than that guy. But it's something about his the, acting. It's not. It's not hmm. like... It's not like I wanted him to be more like super intimidating or he needed to be the big bad. I just don't yeah. I don't take him seriously as like this gangster role yeah. at all, which is a problem. I think another thing that really I th- disappointed people is if you showed up expecting Al Pacino <laughs> as Michael Corleone, you get early Al Pacino Al Pacino. He's turning into what we all know Al Pacino has become. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um but it's still, I was expecting a lot more oorah and mm-hmm. less Michael Corleone. Like, he's not bringing it in every scene, but he's bringing it probably 66% of them. 
Yeah. Like, there's yeah. some really good moments that he has in this. Um, and honestly, I've never really liked him with uh, K. But okay. I thought Al Pacino and uh, Diane Keaton had the best scenes in this movie. I think you're right. And she's yeah. like the last person who can actually tell him something and he hears it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's a I... little like his Beatrice. Beatrix. Or Beatrice. Beatrice? I don't know. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's also, you know, tragic because he he wants her to to understand all these things, and she does, but it's not going to change her mind, right? She's still... She almost. There's like almost. A, there's a scene where it's like, almost oh, man, it. you just when I thought I was out, you <laughs> almost sucked me back in. Had he thrown in a hoo Yeah, right. <laughs> he would have had her. Right. but uh, Or if, <laughs> if people had waited till another occasion to bring him the bad news, uh, Don, yes. whoever died. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed had that, he... too. A lot of the familiar faces. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, notably, Tom Hagen wasn't He's there gone yep because i Dead. guess robert duvall wouldn't accept 25 percent of al pacino's salary which i it seemed like also when i was doing hmm, some little, little digging 90s. that there's bad blood between him and coppola over uh apocalypse now oh really like, i don't i don't know what hmm. because i've you know that's that's a movie that i've i'm pretty ignorant about the the background and the making of but i you know still like uh, who was the guy that replaced him? Um, His son? No, George Hamilton. Oh, George yeah, Hamilton yeah, yeah. is no Robert Duvall. No, and I can see because you know at the time George Hamilton was kind of like a washed up, silly, soapy Zorro the Gay Blade kind of star. Hmm. He was like in a lot of parodies of things, and I can okay. see him, you know, fixture on the love boat. I could see people seeing him in that role and be like, "But I don't have any of that baggage." So yeah, he's just. A vaguely Italian European looking banker lawyer dude. Sure. So I don't have a problem with that. I think the Maybe. other but but I, I guess that there's enough Pacino to this performance and less Michael Corleone. And the other thing is like Yeah, the gravitas is not there. I, I kinda think fifty percent of the problem is if Al Pacino had just grown his hair out and slicked it back so he looked like Andy Garcia playing Vincent, who was or awesome, Marlon Brando. Or Marlon Brando or Michael from the first movies that the illusion would have been a lot better. Yeah. Or get him a big wig. Yeah. To slick back. Sure, slick back that wig. <laughs> and finally, I think the other thing that disappointed people was that the sense, and I think this is a real thing, that Coppola was, heart was not in this. Um, hmm. That, you know, the only reason he made it, and this is kind of public knowledge, is that he got into some pretty severe financial problems because a lot of his films were flopping. And he Paramount has been wanting him to make a sequel, which he said, "Hey, it's, it's redundant. It's redundant. I have nothing more to say." Like, uh, and mm-hmm. and that's a fair comment. Like, yeah, uh, Michael on the park bench overlooking his lake in Tahoe is the perfect end to the Godfather saga. Having said that, even though his heart wasn't in it, like the, the, some of these re- contemporary reviews where they were just taking Coppola behind the shed and flogging him and saying how far his star has fallen and how the guy can't focus a camera anymore. And like, come on. He made one of the best films of all time. And this movie looks great. And it's yeah, well yeah. shot. Oh, they were saying that after he made this movie? Yeah. yeah like they, they're, they're, con- I was reading. Shit? I was reading. The only That's contempor- shocking to me. The only contemporary review I thought showed this film the respect i think it merits it's it's not the greatest thing but it's it's a worthy installment of the saga mm-hmm. is roger ebert of course surprise surprise <laughs> who 
kind of viscerally didn't like Godfather 2 in the same way I didn't. And we talked about that in our review of Godfather. Yeah, he actually, like his initial two. reviews of both of these, he gave Godfather 3 a higher star rating sure. than Godfather 2. I feel like three and a half stars is about where this film lives. At worst, three stars. Yeah, yeah. And on I mean, a four-star scale. So I, I do have, like... I don't know that all of the pieces of the story like really are there on the screen if you're looking for them. I think you have to fill in a lot of the gaps yourself, um, and it feels kind of disjointed in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I was able to follow it for the most part, even with only a single watch. What is your biggest problem with the film? Because I have one that is my biggest problem, and I think if it was a little better, then that whole film would have worked better. Uh, biggest problem. Do you want me to say mine while you're thinking of one? Yeah, if you want to. Uh, I feel like the why I, I think that um, Sofia Coppola is fine and that uh, Andy Garcia is awesome. I did not buy their love affair. Like that needed to be like a Romeo Juliet kind of situation, and I felt really zero chemistry. And the whole time I'm like, "What are you doing? Wanting to fuck your first cousin?" Like I try not to be a prude. But, you know, first cousin on cousin sex, like, I know intellectually and, like, genetically there's not a lot wrong with it. And if you grew up, but but it's just kind of distasteful. And I I get it. The incest is kind of no big deal with all the Game of Thrones and the Boardwalk Empires and the True Detectives going around and around about this stuff. But still, it's kind of squicky. And number two, even if she wasn't your first cousin, she's the daughter of the Godfather, yeah. What I mean, I get it. Like a lot of this can be explained by well, he's Sonny's son, and Sonny was a horn dog, and he couldn't control his temper nor his penis. But still, still, sure, I didn't. I I just didn't feel like there was any kind of real heat between them. Yeah, I didn't know why they were together, other than they were just two good-looking people who yeah wanted to be together. It was. It wasn't set up well enough. The the speech that she gives about, oh, I've been looking at you since I was eight years old. Yeah. And you were 15. A, creeped me out. Sure. Uh, B, didn't do enough to set up why she would be so attracted to him. Like, was it like, it should have been like, oh, you were, you were kind to me yeah. or like, I could see your heart or something like that. And none of that was there. It was just, you got a pretty face. Yeah. And you know, the, the other thing is, as I watch this the thing i appreciated about that structure is i never was sure until well late into the movie who everyone what side everyone is on because i could see you know like in early goings like oh maybe the godfather you know maybe michael won't back vincent's and he'll you know back the his successor the zazo guy and you know maybe vincent's going to start dating his daughters to fuck with him and then maybe if i genuinely buy their in love maybe he'll betray him to get michael out of the picture there's a lot of kind of plausible deniability of of the plot line um mm-hmm. and it's also a little i think a, a feature of being complex and convoluted that i was kind of guessing what was going on and i really didn't sure. know yeah and then when we got to the end what was the what was the twist? I was kind of it's like man, I said I, I I you know we're twenty minutes to go and I'm like wow this is actually much better than I expected but I'm kind of worried they're going to do something in the final scene that would ruin yeah, it. Yeah, he didn't me. say anything specific. It was just God damn it. I'm trying to think what it was. They could really fuck this up. Yeah. Uh, oh oh, it was when so Michael's oh. Michael's son is an opera singer and they're doing this kind of like restaging of an earlier scene where Zazo died and they had the. 
you know, the the weird Ku Klux Klan dudes carrying the Jesus statue. Yeah. And I'm like, if these guys on stage whip off their skull masks and they're they got guns underneath there and they hose start hosing down the crowd, this I will understand. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like Man, where does this movie come? Where does all the hate come from on this movie? Because if something like that happened, okay, that's a little much. But it never came, and I thought the end wrapped up pretty... I mean, this is the most ambitious, I think, of The Godfathers, and the plot was trying to tell, and... The the final act of all the Godfathers is relatively straightforward compared to this one. Mm Because now you've got, like, two actors... And one guy who you're never really quite sure their loyalty or what they're sure. going to do. Yeah, I guess at some point I became convinced of Vincent's loyalty. It was somewhere in that final scene. Yeah. Uh, that final set piece with the, the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until then, I was always kind of wondering, okay, how is he going to get in the good graces of uh, this this old dude with the, the fist cane? Mm-hmm. Uh, why would that guy believe him? Does that guy believe him? Like... It was always kind of up in the air. And, like, is he going to turn on Michael because he actually loves Mary and wants to be with her? Like, those were all questions that were going through my head. But then at the end, I feel like for the first time in, in the trilogy, Michael paid a, a really high price for his sins when Mary oh, got yeah. shot. And that that was shocking to me. Like, I mean, I'm, as much I'm, as a, a price as Fredo was, right? But he did that, like, intentionally. I mean, that's sure, clearly yeah. that the weight of Fredo's death... But it weighed on him, yeah. ...is, is a big, big weight on him. Huge. And uh Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I thought Connie might... Like, I was, like, questioning her loyalty because she was kind of instigating stuff in the background. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know... Like, I thought maybe she gave the order for Vincent to go kill Zasso. Like, which still I might It's believe. possible, but... So that's... I guess that's my major problem, is not all of these loose ends are kind of tied up. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I understand everyone's motivations clearly enough. And maybe that's just, it's a Godfather movie and I've seen it once. You're, yeah. But. I think it will reward more watches. Yeah. And there were, there were also, I didn't feel like there were those those particular scenes that really brought you into the film in, in this in this way that made you feel like you were in the setting. Like I, I think of the Godfather one. That opening scene mm. is so incredible in the way it pulls you into the world, and pulls you into, um, and makes you understand who the Godfather is, what kind of relationship he has with people. I never felt like they had a scene like that. Man, you didn't. What about Michael's confession scene at the Vatican? Yeah, it was good. Uh, um, what about the scene? But like it was every- kind of stuff I already knew, right? Like they did. A bunch of other stuff. It wasn't like that was a big What about reveal. when they went to Sicily? And, like, I was... I felt Michael's paranoia acutely for every second that we yeah. were in Sicily. Sure. Because I was looking around and, like, oh, man, like, there's soldiers that are kind of weirdly in focus in the background. Or why... Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. This bodyguard, why is he in focus? And, Mer, <laughs> you know, Mary's in front of him taking a picture. Like, I was looking for assassins in every basket and in every bottle of olive oil yeah. the whole and time. And in every cannoli. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I thought that did work. And everything, I thought everything at the Vatican had that sense of grounding in the place and time. It wasn't as intimate. Yeah, that's what I mean. It wasn't like, okay. it wasn't like I'm having a conversation that is so gripping. Yeah. That you don't need anything. I'm gonna else. have a five minute. You don't need slow, a huge set piece. Or I'm gonna any have of a five stuff. minute you... slow pull in on some dude's face while yeah. he's talking in uh, some nobody's face. Yeah, and he's gonna be the best damn actor you've ever seen to that point until yeah. Marlon Brando steps into frame. Yeah, no, you have a point, and so 
how long do you know the answer to this? First of all, how long do you think that uh, Coppola and Puzo had to write the script of The Godfather 3? <laughs> 48 hours <laughs> 24 it's an episode of 24 yeah sure uh they requested six months okay and they considered that kind of a hack job mm-hmm. paramount gave him six weeks Gah, because yep. um i guess um I, I guess coppola's first plan was to take six months to write it shoot it have it out by easter of 81 paramount's like uh we don't got anything for christmas so six weeks easter shoot of it. 91 91, sorry. Uh, okay, yeah, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, and so they had to do... I mean, that's kind of incredible that they're able to get... And Ebert's review, I thought, illuminated a lot of things they might have done. Like he said, when you watch this, notice how many times you have really... You have a lot of dialogue with two characters in the f- extreme background, mm-hmm. and they're lit from behind, so you can't see their lips. He's like... It, Ebert's uh. suspicion was that they... Sh- they were shooting a lot of this stuff and then dubbing in the dialogue once they finished the script. It's funny because Coppola talks about that in his his uh, commentaries on the other films. He's like, oh, yeah, because we shot it this way, it's a little trick that we occasionally use to get just the right dialogue or whatever. Uh, and he has done that before, so I could totally see that. So, yeah, using that as a crutch I think helped. But, you know, it, it, I think for being a rush job that nobody – particularly loved going in other than executives who want to make a killing at the box office. Mm-hmm. It's surprisingly good. And I also was shocked to read that a lot of this stuff was ripped from the headlines. Like there was yeah, a yeah. big banking scandal involving the Vatican. There was like three popes within a three month period. Yeah. And there was like, you know, I think this is like full on conspiracy theory kind of stuff, but you know, it's, it's kind of neat when you take reality as a starting point and then, uh, you know, what I've been saying on Fargo podcast, notwithstanding, you spin it into your own yarn and say, <laughs> well, what if? Sure. What if? Yeah, I didn't know any of that going in. Me and either. I didn't have a problem when I found out. I don't know anything about Vatican politics or how many, how the companies that the Vatican oh, man. has ownership stake. I've seen the Borgias, so oh, really? I know all about it. Okay. Oh, it's backstabbing top to bottom. You're yeah. Never, you're never felt, safe. It felt like a very natural, like, uh, you know, hand in glove relationship with the mafia stuff. Yeah, the way they portray it in that show is interesting because it's like everybody knows that everybody else is like out to be promoted or or to become like the Pope or whatever, but nobody can admit it. Yeah. Uh, And yet they'll argue fiercely at a table, but uh, then they all have to kind of be like, no, you know, everything's cool. Uh, another scene that I thought was unexpectedly awesome, like that when it when it hit, I was just like, holy shit the helicopter gunship assault on the yeah. penthouse where all of the mafia dons were meeting. Yeah. That was awesome. Nine years before the matrix, you've got <laughs> Neo in a helicopter. Sure. Uh, that that was, was awesome. That was pretty bonkers. Yeah. And made me instantly respect Zazo uh, quite a bit, but, and it, it caught you on to the idea that old fist stick guy. I, yes, I don't know what his name is. Might also be dirty because he left the room too. Yes. Conspicuously. And it's like there was a little plausible deniability because he was doing that old Italian man of like yeah. I was I was talking at the times like, man, I wish we could be that open with our emotions. Like here's a man who's literally losing his shit and just like his eyes are bugging out of his head at how in distress he is with this situation. He can't even complete sentences and he's just cringing and I'm like, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier if you could just like lose your cool like that and nobody think anything of it. And yeah. then the whole room gets shot up. I'm like, Oh, old fist stick. Old fist stick's got something going on. 
Yeah. Yeah, you were obsessed with that cane he's got. I it's it stole the show. Every mm-hmm. every time he's in and I'd never seen this guy in anything except for he like it blew your mind I said that he was in the holiday. Like this this Jack Black uh uh, yeah, what? I'm like this guy's 900 years old in 1990. Yeah, and he's he's starring in a contemporary kind of uh, romantic comedy set around Christmas with Jude Law and Cameron Diaz and uh, that girl from the Titanic, Kate Winslet. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you're like, my God, how old was he? And I'm like, he's kind of Yoda level. <laughs> like I feel like he's he's shrunk six inches and his ears and nose are way bigger. Mm-hmm. But he's this like charming kind of dude. But he's kind of that guy in this one, but with an underlying menace to him. Yeah. I don't know. So it makes me wonder, like, why? Why that guy's betraying him. Well, Did so, you get a good impression of that? Because I understand why Zasso would. I don't think anyone liked... I My impression is I don't think anyone liked Michael getting out of the business and then hmm. getting involved. Not only just getting out and like, okay, well, yeah, we made money, but now Michael's pivoted this into a global, potentially billion-dollar real estate vatican clean money that he's getting knighted by the church because like all these people have probably done things away on their conscience right yeah it just seems very non-specific for him to go on this this uh, assassination run well, like you know why did joe torrio cross nucky thompson in his old age because he wanted one last go at the ring because he wanted to feel young and important again like i mean there's a <laughs> lot of stock mafia reasons i could put in there and maybe some this will be illuminate because you know it, it's up until that helicopter assault before i even suspected he was against michael so like i just saw him as this kindly grandfather hanger on of the family the whole time and it was also weird okay. how yeah like i felt like everyone except for zazzo in that room was michael corleone's friend because they're like starting to say like hey yeah. michael you know i feel like you're leaving us in the lurch and we haven't get and then boom 50 million dollars <laughs> you get 50 million dollars and you get 50 million dollars and you get 50 million and everybody's like yeah. hey, michael corleone he's great like nobody's going to go to war against he's going to be zazzo against the world so kane fist must have got like half a mil but the real puppet master was the was it the swiss banker Who's the yeah, Vatican yeah, guy? Yeah. Like and, he's the and one. And the Archbishop, like they were kind of in on it. I think the Archbishop. I and again, I've only seen this movie once, and like fifteen minutes ago. But my opinion was that the Archbishop was in a rock and hard mm. position, rock and hard place. God, well, he, um, because he wa- I think he wanted to broker this power deal, but then the old Pope died. This banker guy started like you know seeing that oh this new pope might come in and clean house and I don't want this other guy so he took off with because the money. Michael seemed like he was trying to do good like he wanted to protect the pope now part of that is because the pope was looking after him yeah he was gonna sign the whatever papers he needed to sign uh-huh. to finalize this immobiliary deal right which that's another thing I don't quite understand because the new pope. I thought felt like the new pope was positioned as a genuine kind of Christian, like you'd expect the pope to be. He's yeah. not a Pope Palpatine. He's more of a John Paul the Second or whoever the new guy is. Um, mm. I don't, you know, as a fan, as a big a fan I am of the Roman Catholic Empire, I don't know who your current pope is. Uh, pope uh, Bruno. Yeah, it's Pope Bruno. Yeah, he's the pope. You pope, don't need pope the, you don't need a name. The, he's just a, he's just yeah. a pope. Yeah, who cares? Um, it's a pope. But uh, Francis, Pope Francis, that's it. He's the Pope uh, Francis. Frankie, Pope Frankie. Frankie the first. Um, I, what was I even, man, I've just gotten derailed over my papal confusion. I don't know. My papal bullshit. Uh, shit. I thought I was on a roll there. 
<laughs> you probably were. I... Uh, no, okay, so yeah, that, that Pope was kind of like a good Pope. He heard Michael's confession, and when I first saw him become, you know, ascending to power, I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe this complete confession is going to bite uh, Michael in the ass. But I felt like the, the Pope yeah. was genuinely moved by his genuine contrition for all these evil things he's done. Even though he said he's not going to do the penance, basically, right? Like, no, I don't understand. I don't quite understand that exchange because he said something like, "You're not going to change." Yeah, but you also are. You're like you're in hell already, mm-hmm. and he went ahead and gave him his blessing. So that seemed a little strange, but you know, Pope's going to do the what fact Pope's going to do. You know, do. Michael Corleone hasn't done this, and you know, uh, thirty years, uh, thirty years, and I feel like that that's something that the mafia doesn't like, like telling strangers your business. I can imagine. Business. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the fact that he kind of humbled himself and, and got that off his chest seemed like it was a, a genuine, it genuinely moved the Pope because yeah. now he's full steam ahead on this kind of inarguably evil man uh, taking this prestigious position and getting all these awards and whatnot. Although Michael Corleone is a good man who got forced by circumstances into being an evil one. Mm-hmm. Agree or disagree? Uh, mostly agree, yeah. I mean, like, when he gave his defense to Kay, like, I, you heard me. I didn't want anything to do with my, my father's enterprise. And I mm-hmm. uh, then my father, but I loved my father very much. And when he got hurt, what was I supposed to do? And then when you and the kids were in danger, what was I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, everything that he did, you know, he just, like, kept on taking baby steps to hell but which of those baby steps was the one that was like too far i mean i guess you could say the death of fredo well that's one of the things that i really like about this movie is how it's kind of a mirror image of his father like his his tragedy is the same as his father's tragedy down to right? like boy you need to go to college so you exactly. can you can be, make something a legitimate something yourself no fuck you dad yeah, uh, you know, Michael. I mean, down to the heart attack he has that takes him out of commission. Sure, and his boy goes off and does something rash. Well, it's not. not I, his I know bo- Vincent yeah, is yeah, his yeah, boy, yeah, sure, but sure. I'm talking in Brando terms here. Right, right. Yeah, no, it. But it's like a, a mirror image, but exactly like a mirror image. It's a lot of times reversed because yeah. Michael's son never had to make the terrible choice of protecting his his father because Sonny's illegitimate bastard was there to do it for him. Sure. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't think uh, Anthony would have made that decision anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, like, that's something I've always pondered. Like, you know, what happens if Apollonia had never died? <laughs> because yeah. the, one of the reasons Michael's son turned out very different from him is because he was raised by Kay. Mm-hmm. So, so if he stays in Sicily? And he, you know, if, I, I feel like that Michael Corleone's, uh, if he had a real Sicilian wife mm-hmm. who was like, you know, down for everything, his kids wouldn't have turned out uh, <laughs> decent. Sure. Uh, yeah. But then again, one of them uh, might have survived. <laughs> true. True. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Poor Mary. She got killed. And yeah. She kind of, um, she kind of suspected this, this, the foundation was a bunch of bullshit. The foundation? Which, yeah. The, the Whatever the charity that oh, Michael was pulling yeah. money out of. And I, At the very beginning. I, I don't feel like it literally was bullshit. I feel like that Michael was genuine. Like, I'm trying to build something legitimate for you and your brother. And, uh-huh. you know, yes, I'm greasing some palms and making some things happen with your money. But it's like, you know, for a, a good purpose. But that's, <laughs> you know, he's been saying that since midway through Godfather 1. I yeah, just need to it, get... I just need one more thing to get the family legitimate. I just... But... 
that's another thing that's kind of tragic is how much of this of the problems he's had are just uh, because of his ambition. Like, is there a level at which he could have stopped? Could he been a content with the hotel business and the gambling stuff? Like, to me, gambling is not an illegitimate business. I mean, I think you know, it's there are some seedy parts to it, but well, it's, it's legal for sure. I don't think it was greed or ambition that was driving him. Although he does kind of admit as much, almost. But I feel like he needed that money to buy himself into heaven. Okay, to atone for it, his It wasn't sins. just like, you know, setting up a foundation for the children. Because, like, what is Michael worth in this movie? Like a billion dollars? Uh, he gives away $700 million. Yeah. Yeah. All told. Uh-huh. So, well, no, no. More than that, because just one of those gangsters got $50 million, Some got more, some got less. But he had to give another $300, uh, well, 400 yeah. million and around that big round table. So, for like, sure. But he gave away a billion, yes, to get the keys to a corporation worth multi-billion. Um, but, but still, I don't, I, I feel like it, he wanted yeah. forgiveness. He needed forgiveness in this movie. And before it was keeping his family safe, this time he wanted forgiveness for all the acts he did and end up yeah. for the first time threatening his inner family and getting mm-hmm. them killed. Absolutely. And like I said, the death of Mary was just shocking and it just worked like him, yeah. Pacino and Keaton so really sold how painful that experience was for them. Yeah. A lot of people dying on steps in these movies. Yeah. People rolling down steps when they get shot. Yep. <laughs> uh, staircases are the most lethal part, parts to be in. Uh... Uh, oh, not and <laughs> not just any game. I mean, Untouchables. Yeah, you don't yeah. want you don't want to be on that staircase in Grand Central Station. Uh-uh. Hell no. Uh, does Does Al Pacino die? Does Michael die at the end of this? Oh yeah. And you think so? Okay. What was the point? I don't know what the point of flash forwarding his his the end of his life in Sic- Sic- Sicily where he's obviously alone and no one is there and he dies alone did i need to see that no i think you get the point without it but i mean it's clearly saying it's everything a... michael gets close to dies yeah uh, i mean they show mary who just got shot and they show apollonia who blew the fuck up yeah uh i think we get the point and then when Especially... he dies alone with an orange in his hand yeah uh like his father kind of although his father that's the interesting thing right the difference between him and his father sure his father uh, died surrounded by his family who loved him and playing with exactly, his grandchildren yeah. and michael died completely alone yeah both you can with imagine, oranges both kind of just hanging out you but, can imagine Kay and my uh, and tony are like fuck this after their sister gets after their oh, sister yeah. slash daughter gets killed yeah they're living off opera money from now on <laughs> Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting is the that kind of juxtaposition of how Marlon Brando was perceived, how Vito was perceived by the community versus how like Zasso was when he took over. Yeah, or Zasso, Zasso. Uh, because you can see like people are afraid of Zasso, right? They're like he he's not a guy who walks through the town and hugs people and smiles at kids. He's Kind really? of the opposite. No, 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 no. I thought he was like the big kind of like popular and saying like, hey, mafia's not even that bad. Everybody thinks we're like shooting up gangsters, but we don't do that. We're Italian Americans invented the telephone. And <laughs> no, I mean, he gets hit with that soccer ball and he's like, who the fuck did this? Oh, yeah. I guess I should let it go. I'm in. But public. I'm saying like he seemed like. And a, that kid is like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Mr. Zassa. Like, whereas Marlon Brando would have reached down, hugged the kid, played kickball with him for a second and, and won at street soccer yeah i don't know if i agree like yes Maybe it's not totally that way but wolf, that's the perception he's certainly a wolf in sheep's clothing because he had a helicopter yeah, yeah, yeah. kill like 40 dudes in a hotel <laughs> so he's not a good guy but sure. he had this public persona of 
hey, you know, this Gambino's not so bad. I guess it was a little flimsier than Marlon hmm. Brando's. Um, and I did like the meditation of, uh, you know, he was talking about the Don uh, in, Sic- in Sicily that died uh, when he accidentally uncovered the plot on Michael's life. But he's also just as work for Vito. It's like, you know, why were you loved and I am feared? And yeah. my answer to that is because you're a scary dude, Michael. You never smile. You never laugh. Cold, yeah. Like, you smile and laugh maybe three times in this movie. It's more than you did in the entire Godfather duology. To be fair, he had a broken jaw. He couldn't really <laughs> <laughs> couldn't really do much. He's actually it. a really happy guy. Just uh, his facial yeah, nerves and yeah. bone structure doesn't work anymore. That's right. And the diabetes. He's got some, some problems with diabetes. I mean, Michael's always been a really cold person. Like yeah. even uh, uh, to his kids at an early age. I mean, he clearly loved them, but I mean, even the stuff like with him and Kay, he always felt a little detached, right? Like at the very beginning, yeah. he's like, "I'm nothing like my father." All that kind of stuff. He's think, talking, but he doesn't. He doesn't show me the emotion, and I think that works as a gangster. Yeah, and I buy it and I like it. But my read on that was being, he was detached because he was embarrassed about the reality of where he came from. I suppose so. And because yeah. I thought that him and Kate were kind of a, uh, or Kay was kind of a cute couple up until his father got shot up. And then uh, he became that kind of cold, detached. Again, he should have been oh, married sure. to I mean, Apollonia. Everyone, everyone would have been happier and better off, but that's not the way his uh, life worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I decided, you know, a lot of people ask okay, where I want to see Bald move in 10 years. I've got a definitive answer now. Uh, immobiliare. No, I want us both to be worth a few million dollars, and I want us to have a hideout (laughs) uh, in in a rough part of town with a big steel door that has only one entrance. Fire marshal be damned, Mm. and we're sitting up there on the in these big wooden desks and this big black room with a couple probably you know revolvers and maybe shotgun not because we're going to shoot anybody but you know just just to have around and not because we want a place for us and our first cousins to go no not, none, no, of no. Just none of this first cousin stuff everybody <laughs> relax i just like i just, there's something about the uh yeah, yeah. vincent's hideout the about, neon angel i i yeah, feel you that I like was it. fucking rad man it's pretty cool i want the bald moose studios to be exactly i mean we're halfway like that. to that bar Frankly, we are halfway to having that bar. Sure. In the studio. We've got a swank bar, but we need the neon angel. We need the big steel door with the one entrance. Yeah. You know, yeah. covering the one entrance. Probably make that happen. Hide out from our enemies. Hide out from the gimples <laughs> and hollies of the world. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my new answer. From Someone asked me where I want Bald Mood to be in 10 years. All right. Let me ask you this question about Connie. Connie, at one point... Uh, absolves Michael of the death of Fredo. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems like at this point it's an open secret that Michael had Fredo killed. Yeah. Do you think that Connie legitimately believes that Michael didn't kill Fredo and Fredo drowned or that she was my or that she was actually trying to protect Michael from his own conscience? Oh man. What do I know about her? I man, I'm not sure. So I think there could be just like this familial trust where if Michael tells her something, she believes it. But at the same time, it's out there. Like his name is in the streets, right? People know. People know. Mary knows. Uh-huh. Or, or Mary has at least heard the rumor. Mm-hmm. Like if, and if enough people say it, I think Connie starts to believe it. 
And maybe, yeah, she doesn't want to let Michael know because that she doesn't need to pile that on him, right? Yeah. The guy's got a, a bum heart or something. He's having diabetic seizures. Uh, he doesn't need that shit. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I just don't know. So I can, I can see I, I'm still trying to figure out where Connie's loyalties lie. And I was still entertaining going into the third act like, wow, she's surely not doing all this for Carlo, is she? Like, or or is she actually yeah, trying to I mean, get revenge? Like, is, is she shining Michael on and putting him to sleep, telling him what he wants to hear so that she can get revenge for Fredo? I thought about that, too, but Because I remember her in, the, the, in, in Godfather 2, she did two things. She said, I, I never, I was always mad at what you did to me and my husband, but now I know you were just trying to protect me and you're trying to be strong for us like daddy was, and I now want to take care of you, Michael. But she also begged for Fredo to be allowed back into Michael's love because he's such a lost little boy. And yeah, both th- those sentiments are mutually uh, exclusive. Like if you believe that Fredo is this lost little boy who idolizes Michael and was un- misunderstood and, and acted out of rash impulse. But you also understand Michael's need to be tough and take care of the family. Like which one of those impulses is stronger than the other? Sure. It's a fair question. I don't think they really give us a solid answer. Yeah, honestly. something I've always thought about in Godfather 2 is like, did Michael need, have to kill Fredo? Like, and there's two levels that I have to kill. Like, did he have to kill him in the sense that Fredo would bide his time and then rise up like the drunken, cranky, nerdy phoenix that he was and try to plot and scheme to get on top of the Corleone family again? I don't think, I thought Fredo was a broken man as far as ambition goes. Yeah, I don't think he would have tried that again. The other side of that is, as the godfather, can you allow even a blood relative to cross you like that? Yeah. And, and that's the... Look, look weak, look... That's the stickier wicket, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I I guess I'm glad it happened because I think it was a, a really good moment in Godfather 2. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't have a problem with him killing Fredo. Uh but I don't know if Talia Shire does or not. Hmm. Couldn't tell you. What's up with the, the – when we went to Sicily, everything was really cool. Yeah. But when they went to the, the local Don's mansion, uh, you know how, like, you've a lot of times when you enter an estate or at the entrance of a house will be two lions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they're either roaring or they got their heads up looking watched. These lions were, like, heads on their paws asleep. Yeah. Why the fuck would you have sleeping lions as your guard animal – because he got form. they they represent the doublement twins running around as bodyguards getting their throats slit like <laughs> that those, was pretty terrible those guys those guys like yeah they look like male italian models uh-huh. and then one of them is faked out by <laughs> this guy like his face this his little rigor mortis face like how how long was he looking like that until that guy w- w- walked into the booth? <laughs> 45 minutes. And the other thing is, like, why did the twin go in there by himself? Because he saw something weird, mm-hmm. or he heard something weird. He went to confer with his twin. He came back alone. And then sometime later, the other twin came back and got killed, too. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And also, while you're out dicking around conferring with your twin, this guy could have, like, put together the rifle five seconds sooner and killed Michael, and you're just a giant failure. Yeah. But, you know, every time I want to get up on my war horse about it, I remember this movie was written in six weeks by two dudes. Yeah. Here's you, the other thing. Someone tells us, hey, uh, Jim and Aaron, write The Godfather 4, you have six weeks, go. <laughs> we don't get the five pages. Yeah, you're There's right. No yeah. way. We 
No, no. We I don't barely care. get three or four characters fleshed out. Yeah, it's like, can we do the whole movie in extreme long range with backlit so you can't, then we'll just dub <laughs> everything in later? Uh, uh, the other thing I like about uh, <laughs> kind of the, the Doubleman twins and uh, the assassin that's going after Michael, it, it, it I really got a sense like in the old world, everybody kind of knew everybody. Because um, mm-hmm. like, the guy who gets killed in his car, yeah. uh, who, I don't know his name. Yeah, it's Don name. Finucci, he's, maybe? He's, he's, yeah, he's the Don that Michael went to for sure, protection. Sure, hideout, and, yeah. Yeah, um, he gets killed in his car by the assassin, and, like, you could tell he recognized the guy immediately, right? Yeah. Whereas, I know that Michael wouldn't. Because sure. this is all local stuff. Like, yeah. he's the, all these people are mixed up the same way that Michael is mixed up with all his guys and all those factions back in New York and in the States. Like, that rang very true to me. Sure. Uh, and I really like that. And so I, I can see why, like, I don't know. They they want, like, local assassins and all this stuff. It was, it was pretty cool. Well, plus Sicily's a, a little teeny tiny country. It is, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be, especially if you're talking about a subset of the underworld. And it's, it's like, yeah, everybody's got to know everybody. Yes, yeah, it really made it feel like Godfather 2, or Godfather 1, rather. What did you think about the fact that none of the Italian, and I think this is true of all the Godfather movies, uh, none of the Italian was subtitled? Did you? I, yeah, that's. Uh, I picked up the gist of most of it. I saw that you can pick Italian only subtitles up off the internet to pair up with your DVD or hmm. ripped copy or whatever. And I, I wonder if that would illuminate some of the plot details. Yeah. Um, or I, I, I just need a transcript, really, because I just I like to get just but I felt like, you know, between the actors gesturing like the little uh, old dude, he was like talking about uh, he used uh, threw an ace in the hole and then made like a backstabbing motion. And like, OK, they're talking about turning Vincent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the guy the pulled up in the car and he saw the assassin, it's like, hey, what am I to you? You you to kill and uh, you shut the fuck up. You know, I'm going to be shocking. Like, I, I, I understood it all. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you needed the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, I want the subtitles, though. OK. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I liked it uh, far more than I had any reason to. It really felt like they kind of built this movie around the bones of Godfather part one, like a lot of weddings and parties and, sure. uh, coronations and or whatever that, that shit is. refuses to walk in the footsteps of his father, the but father then... who gets hurt and is, and has a, has a relative lash out while he's sure. in bed. Sure. Uh, there was a lot of stuff with, um, uh, I mean, going to Sicily, come I mean, on. You could argue and, that... And the final, the final like, set piece yeah. felt sort of like the church thing, right? It's like, kind of the Return of the Jedi, where you yeah. had Death Star Part Two, like Almost. Vincent as the son of Sonny is kind of Death Star Part Two, and the yeah. big shoot at the end is kind of, uh, you know, settling all families' business, except for there's two families trying to settle two different sides <laughs> of business and a wild guard in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... But yeah. like the bones are there, I see. Sure. Like Godfather One. Sure. But I again I'm I I feel like this is it it's weird because when I was doing a little bit the the minimal amount of research we did while we were eating lunch, I saw a lot of articles in the last few years of like, wait a minute, Godfather three doesn't suck. Yeah. Like that seems like to be a growing consensus, um, but still an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I totally put me on the board of that, that I, I can see if you saw it contemporary that you'd be bitterly disappointed after 16 year wait and what's no doubt was a big, you know, event, 
But knowing the history and even being ignorant of the history, just going in completely knowing nothing about the film other than it was going to be Michael Corleone older, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And it's a movie I want to see a bunch more times. And I, I'm also really, really looking forward to listening to the commentary. I'm assuming Coppola did a commentary for that one. I don't know. Maybe he's he did, like, Fuck it's got to it. be interesting. Because the other thing is like, because he now, kind of complained about the studio's interference on some of the others. Oh, God. On this one? This one where he was essentially an indentured servant <laughs> and was dictated terms to. Yeah, then, I need to hear it. Also, like, if I'm a, if I'm the father of Sofia Coppola, mm-hmm. Coppola and she puts in that performance and people are saying the things they were saying about her. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I'd ever get over it. I'd be like, yeah. fuck you, Hollywood. Fuck all you people. She wasn't that goddamn bad. Suck my dick. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm but, with you. You know, one thing's like, you know, it's like Matthew Weiner puts his son in there and like... Uh, he's real a real turd. He's real bad. But he kind of grows into <laughs> it. But yeah, I'm not going to... Okay. Creepy Glenn was Creepy Glenn for a long time. Maybe that was the effect. But, I, but you know, I just can't imagine being a father and seeing... You know, it's like okay, well, yeah, she, uh, Sophia did all did all right, and I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing in the editing. It's kind of weird that I'm doing these love scenes with her incestuous first cousin, but you know, whatever. She's an actor, and I'm a director. Fuck you, we're artists, we're an artist family. I'll we just, just I'll just remind her every scene. None of this is real. We do. It's like hey, yeah, you know, when I was making Godfather One, I was shooting a 16 year old topless. You know, this is, uh, this is what, what your you old man do? does, uh, Sophia. But if I did all that and then I'm reading the press of people just tearing her to shreds, tearing her to ribbons. Yeah. Yeah, it's harsh. Thank God she's had a second life as a director where people have yeah. respected her because... One of my all-time I favorite movies, Lost in Translation. I, I could see her just going out of the public eye and being like, fuck all you people. You guys are all a bunch of ter- terrible, terrible people. Yep. Uh, while I was watching this, I was also looking at all of these. So, first of all, I was like, okay, this Mobilari thing is a real estate holding agency. Uh, what kind of buildings do they have throughout Europe? Do they have, like, landmarks? Who, like, does somebody own the Coliseum, they, they, or is that a government well, building? Uh, government-owned surely building. Surely it's a government-owned. But what about, like, lesser landmarks, right? Like, Does someone own the Sistine Chapel? Uh, yeah, like the land the Vatican, is on because that's the thing. Like sure. they, they also hint about how old this company is. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Are we talking Crusades old? Are we talking you know American independence old? Are we talking what are we talking? How old are we talking here? Because with the Catholic yeah. Church, is it uh, you know Jesus and Bethlehem old? Like mm-hmm. where, how far back does it go? You, you, none of those would be an inappropriate guess. Right. Depending whether this is a Coppola film or a Dan Brown book, you know. Sure, uh, sure. Th- those, those are on the table. But, that's... but like a lot of the buildings that they do own that we that we see in the film look have like, you know, the same kind of architecture. These big, big, thick, sure. solid stone pillars. And I'm thinking sure. like, how do you... How do you modernize a building like that? If it's just solid fucking stone, yeah. Do you build like an internal you gotta, false you wall? You gotta know and... that the the Vatican is like so wired. It's got like, it's got to have Wi Fi and fiber optics. And I mean, how at often the very you... least, they've got lamps that need to plug in somewhere, right? Like running electricity <laughs> sure. and plumbing through a building sure. like that. And you know, when Michelangelo was painting the chapel, they didn't have electricity. No. So no. how did they do all that? Uh, and these, these, you know, as Fran- as uh, Francis Underwood would say, the old stone buildings. Like, yeah. How often do you renovate something like that? Those stone pillars, like they could have been around for a thousand years. They're mm-hmm. somewhat chipped and they're stained, and but like, what do you do? 
like do you a do? few hundred few hundred years you drill a few renovate? holes and run some conduit and there you go cover yeah, it up with an ornate how you, rug how you renovate like a stone building like that but i don't know either it must take and especially when you're talking about something that's probably on several un world heritage site things mm-hmm. like you can't just go and like uh this just the ceiling we gotta re- we gotta get some new artwork up here it's been what four or five hundred years since we've refreshed this come on yeah what are we doing here uh yeah there's got it like everything's got it not only the engineering and architectural challenges but everything's got to be white glove yeah yeah i mean you don't want to be the guy that caved in this roof of the sistine chapel no you don't want to be that guy (laughs) no you do not uh so but i don't know even like the the old house in sicily that he was staying at sure uh that was a really cool house yeah like you can see the outside, it's been there forever. The stones all stained and like that's the thing. Like we kind of crumbling, but the inside is gorgeous. In the new world, uh, we don't have stuff like that. No, we build everything out of wood and vinyl. Well, but, but I mean, like our oldest buildings are like what? There's a castle in like Quebec that's three hundred ish years old. Yeah, yeah. And there's the White House that got burnt down in eighteen twelve. So there's that. Uh, there's some old buildings in like Philadelphia and Boston, but man, we don't have a lot of centuries old millennia i mean there's a roman aqueduct still standing in 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 uh rome yeah we don't have to worry about that stuff for a while yeah yeah because so. our bridges don't last 50 years they fall right <laughs> maybe sure. we need to get some roman architect we need to get some aqueduct aqueduct i was reading a really interesting art article about the lost art of masonry and how like like there's there was concrete the Romans made that we still are making shitty knockoffs of we we don't have yeah. that recipe the Roman yeah. recipe for how is that possible and just like the different architectural features that are designed to like move water away from certain crucial areas and windowsills and keep like keep the stone and keep the buildings in good condition yeah like we, we don't have, do that we just build fucking boxes now yeah and out we, of bricks we, we poorly we, put together we engineer a way out of like we don't pay attention to how to shed water in buildings because we'll just wrap it with uh you know a plastic liner yeah. and put metal frame windows in and fuck you mother nature we're just gonna make you behave yeah hmm. i don't know it's just something that got me thinking about yeah no you ain't uh you you can't uh can't beat the old ways as far as building i mean look at the pyramids really cool shit <laughs> <laughs> you sure, build something yeah. that looks like just a pile of rubble, and guess what? Six thousand years later, <laughs> still looks like a pile. Still looks of like rubble. a pile of rubble. Oh boy! All right. Well, that's all I have to say about Godfather Three. Yeah, you? pleasant surprise. People need to quit their bitching. I I'm kind of interested. If you want to send us feedback about Godfather, send it into hosts at baldmove.com. Because uh, I would like to, yeah, I, I would like to consider other alternative opinions, especially if you were like saw this when it came out, contemporary. Uh, what your reaction was, if there's anybody to feel us about this being not as bad as everyone's make it out to be. Like, again, worst of the Godfather movies. Yeah. But not terrible. It's not even the Return of the Jedi of the series, in my opinion. There's no fucking Ewoks. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hmm. you know, Boba Fett didn't, you know, like, Michael Corleone didn't fall into a giant desert tooth pussy. <laughs> uh, it's like Boba Fett did. It's like, it's better. It's, it's yeah. better. It's not as good as either first two, but it's. Uh, I'm glad they made it. Yep. No problems with it. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed your uh, Christmas Day present. And this, uh, you know, between this and Star Wars, pretty good preview of our movie coverage going forward that uh, a lot of this 
I think one thing we're going to try to do is we've talked about how we're going to divide the review up into like a small five, 10 minute non-spoiler, just should you see it or not? Thumbs up, thumbs down review, and then have the traditional bald move, longer spoiler filled discussion. Uh, we're going to give away in the non-premium bald movies feed, the first part, the spoiler free review. And then uh, the, the combined spoiler free plus the spoiler deep dive will be the premium only feature. Mm-hmm. So you can get a little bit, you know, a little taste and, you know, it's a, it's a buck a month if you want the whole thing. Sure. Trying to be reasonable. I think, I, I, I don't know how often we're going to do those. Did we I say? Don't know. Like, I don't, we I didn't, didn't make any promises out, because there's, you know, there's always February and there's always months where, you know, nothing of interest is coming out, but we want to do it semi-regularly. Yeah. When we can. Uh, also keep your eye on the website for our script of Godfather 4. I sure. Due out next week. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're, we're starting to write it tomorrow, uh-huh. so keep keep an eye out for that. Guns to our heads. We we owed a lot of money after the flop that was. We did, yeah. Uh, episode nine of season two, Fargo. <laughs> Lost our shirt on that one, yeah. And uh, we got to make it up. We got to make it up and Paramount. Uh, they're, they're they got us by an eight ball. What are you going to do? Yeah, and if not, I've got this bag of oranges here for us. So, <laughs> oh, that's deadly. <laughs> Uh, I need a cup. I need some candy and a cup. I, I also like the fact that the 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 Vatican has <laughs> orange juice and candy, several varieties, just at uh, five you know five ten seconds yeah. notice. They're just every room's got a pitcher of orange juice and a bowl full of candy. <laughs> Why not? I mean, w- w- what are they? A religious institution or are they a blood drive? Like, I <laughs> what, what's going on here? Uh, All right, cool increasingly desperate attempts at stretching this podcast out. Let's get out of here. Don't do it. We're done. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.